This is the Beyond Distribution with GTDC podcast, in which we delve into conversations with the leading tech executives in the channel. Today's guest is Dane V. Keller, who is the Vice President of Distribution Sales at Veeam Software. She was named to CRN's Women of the Channel Power 100 list in 2022, and it is a very active member in supporting and driving more women into tech. In this episode, Dangvi talks to Frank about her professional journey, the importance of diversity in the industry, and Veeam's go-to-market strategy. We'd like to take a moment to thank all of our listeners for your continued support as we celebrate our one-year podcast anniversary. Don't forget to like and rate. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Frank Tagliano, and we're doing the next edition of Beyond uh, Distribution podcast, and I am thrilled today to have Dane V. Keller, Vice President of Alliances and Distribution Sales for the Americas with us. So Dane V, welcome, glad to have you. Thank you for having me, Frank, good to see yeah, you. It's good to see you. I, we were at the GTDC event not too long ago and yeah. uh, uh, it was a uh, good opportunity to kind of talk to you a little bit and think, to hear what's going on. Um, I've known you for a long time, you know, you've been in the industry, uh, but for folks that don't know you, um, you know, you've worked your way through a variety of different roles and kind of unusual. You're on the DISTI side uh, and then you moved on to the vendor community and there aren't a lot of folks that, that have, you know, that have done that. Mm-hmm. But uh, talk a little bit about, you know, your experiences, what led you to a career in IT, et cetera, so people get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So um, I would tell you I've, I'm a huge fan of technology. Um, I've always been fascinated by technology, and as a kid, I'm, I'm just naturally a curious person, and as a kid, I was always asking my parents, like, how does the voice come out of the radio, or, mm-hmm. you know, why can't I see the person, you know, on the other side of the phone, so um, I think that's really sparked, you know, my interest in IT in general, but I also graduated um, college right after 9-11. So I know I'm kind of, you can guess my age, but uh, no companies weren't hiring. And it was through the college career fair that I stumbled on an opportunity um, with IT distribution, a local distributor um, in the area. And uh, it was one of the best decisions I made because 20 plus years later, I'm still in the industry. And I feel like starting off in distribution really grounded me and really taught me all the aspects of the industry. And so I built strong relationships and eventually, you know, migrated out of distribution and onto the supplier side, uh, working at Hewlett Packard Enterprise uh, and then now uh, currently at Veeam. But it's been an amazing ride. And, uh, you know, I think I'll be here until I graduate or until I retire. Yeah. Well, by the way, if you graduated around 9-11, that's not too bad. If I told you when I graduated, that would be the problem. That would be a problem. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting because starting in DISTE, uh, it does ground you. It does provide a really good foundation um, because you're able to get, you know, sort of the, the viewpoint of the vendor community, right, and uh, upstream and then the downstream piece on the uh, solution provider uh, side. And so I think it gives you a really good perspective. And honestly, you know, there aren't, have not been a lot of folks that have got kind of done it that way, yeah. started with, you know, DISTI and moved over to vendors. So that that's an interesting transition. And sure. I'm sure, you know, has helped been helpful to you. Yeah. Extremely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, 
certainly back then and, and even today to some degree, although it's getting better, kind of been a male dominated, you know, industry. Um, so, you know, early in your career, talk about that, you know, how did you feel about that? Were there obstacles? What was your, you know, how did you kind of approach that? Um, for sure. So I would tell you it was, um, very challenging and frustrating to not have a seat at the table. And, you know, again, I was early in my career. I didn't have the network that I have today. I didn't have people, you know, guiding me or mentoring me at that time. I didn't have people advocating for me when I'm not in the room um, or identifying opportunities for me. And so uh, it was very frustrating to see, you know, and to not be able to, you know, have a voice and provide my input as it relates to a decision uh, or the overall business. But I think that that has changed. And, you know, obviously I've grown in my career. I've built my network, um, you know, and I've uh, have a lot more experience, but I do think that we there's still a big gap, and there's still so much more that needs to be done across the industry um, to ensure that there's more women and females and more diversity in general at the table. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. I've never really thought about it, you know, that way, or hadn't thought about it that way early on because, you know, I was with IBM for years and IBM was really a pretty good company as it relates to uh, respect for the individual, right? And so, you know, while we didn't have, you know, specific programs designed toward, you know, diversity or inclusion or things like that, the policies kind of drove it. And like, you know, for example, I remember somebody asking me one time uh, whether we had different pay scales for men and women. I was like, no, <laughs> no, we don't. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it was such a, you know, strange thought. Yeah. So I never thought about it. But then when, like, for example, when CRN started doing Woman of the Channel, yep. I started thinking about it more. And I guess what you realize is, even though you, um, you don't think that, you know, you think everybody's got the same opportunity. The reality is we weren't as an industry doing things to help with inclusion and help with that because to your point when you were at the table there really weren't a lot of other women at the table with you and it and it's it's hard right yeah and there's that you know that unconscious bias that still you know that it was very dominant back then i think it's still um you know there today but we are making progress and i think a lot of the companies in our industry recognize that you know when you have a more diverse leadership a team or a more diverse workforce, you see more creativity, you see, you know, higher productivity and more revenue and profitability, right? So, and I think that that is eye-opening for a lot of companies. And so DEI has become a huge priority and initiative. I know for Veeam, as well as other companies uh, and partners that I've worked with, which is great. And I do, you know, one of the things that I'm very passionate about, um, and I wish I had more time to do is I, I do think as an industry, we need to start earlier in the process. So working with schools um, and young females um, at the grade school level to encourage more females to participate in STEM, right? Working with, you know, colleges, um, you know, freshman year and beyond to ensure that there's more activity around STEM so that we can build that pipeline of more females and diversity coming into our industry. So, I mean, that those are some of the things that I'm, you know, working on, you know, inside of Beam 
and across the industry, I know some of my peers uh, are also leading those charge um, inside their companies. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was on the board of CompTIA for a while, and they have a really good um, focus on, on careers. And, and in fact, you know, women in technology and STEM, and, and um, they spend a lot of time on it. And one of the things that um, they were able to highlight is that there's more opportunity than people realize across the board in IT. So in other words, yep. most people, when you think about IT, you think about, well, I've, I've got to get a computer science degree. Exactly. Right? And, you know, somebody's engineering, I, you know, yeah. I got to, and that's not the case at all. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, think about what we do, Exactly. you know, and the roles that I've had as a channel chief and now what you have, totally different. Um, and there's you know, sales, there's marketing, there's, you know, operations, there's just tons of different opportunities. And I think that's one of the things people have to understand because you tend to think about, oh, if I'm going to go work for Google or I'm going to work for Veeam or I'm going to go work for Apple, I've got to have an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not really the case. Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah. It, uh, and that was, that was something that, you know, we kind of realized when we were doing the work with, with CompTIA. Yeah. So I mentioned CRN and they have the uh, woman of the channel power 100 list uh, which I guess are some of the most powerful, you know, women in the channel. And you're obviously justifiably included in that community. Yep. Um, and so that's a pretty good honor. And, uh, you know, I, I know you participate, you know, with them and their events, yep. but um, I would assume that means a lot to you. Absolutely. I mean, truly an honor and uh, to be a part of that group and to be a part of uh, such an elite powerful, strong group of women. Um, and I know a lot of my colleagues on that list, I mean, they're just as passionate about paving, you know, paying it forward and paving the way for those behind us. Um, and, you know, to be on a list with some of my mentors, people who have guided me in my career, it's just amazing that I've even listed, you know, next to them. And so um, it's a great, you know, I think it's a great a way to recognize um, some of our top leaders, uh, female leaders in the industry. Um, I want to see that list expand to even further um, and more recognition for women who are doing not just their daily job and doing it well, but also advocating for change and doing so much more across the industry. Yeah, and the mentoring piece is really important. I mean, you know, when, when we were at uh, GTDC, we were kidding around um, about, you know, mentoring people and have, you know, who's, who's branch uh, of yes. the tree, you know, and all of that. <laughs> yes. um, but it is really important. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, and I think back at people that mentored me and I kind of do it now, probably because I like to do it, but also because I feel like if you have to give back, it's the right thing to do. Exactly. And you get to the point where there's some point in your career where all of a sudden it's like, you've gone from a mentee to a mentor and it's kind of, <laughs> when did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm sure Definitely. that's kind of where you're starting to get to now. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. it's great. I mean, I, most of my mentors have said to me, and, and I know you're a fan of this, is someday I'm going to work for you. And I say the same thing to my mentees. Someday I'm going to work for you. And that's my goal is to really help advance others in their careers, especially females within our industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's important. And it's amazing how how people really appreciate it. And they don't say it enough, but yeah. but it's true. So let's shift over now to um, some of the some of the technology business stuff and some of the stuff that you've done. Um, so 
you know, and you and I talked about this a couple of years ago when I took the GTDC job, mm -hmm. um, right from the beginning when you helped build the go-to-market strategy mm -hmm. for Veeam, um, distribution was a major part of it, right? I mean, distribution was, was you know, embedded. And in fact, I remember at one point we talked about Ratmir perhaps even, yep. even doing a keynote. Yep. And I think this was 2019. And of course, pandemic hit after that and we, yep. we never really did it. But talk to me a little bit about the how the development of the go-to-market strategy and and why, you know, everybody, you all thought, the distribution piece was so important. And as importantly, how's that worked out for you uh, since then? Yeah, so you're absolutely right, uh, Frank. I mean, Veeam has always had the channel and distribution at the heart of their go-to-market. Um, Veeam grew to a billion-dollar company within 10 years, um, putting themselves in a very elite small group of companies that have been able to do that in our industry. And to be honest with you, we could not have done it without our partner and specifically our distributors. I mean, they continue to play a critical role in our go-to-market. Majority of our business today goes through two-tier distribution. So we cannot place an order without the help of our distributors. I mean, they're processing all of that um, from the front end to the back end, um, whether it's pricing, you know, to, you know, just getting the order booked. But that it doesn't stop. Their value-added services does not stop there. Um, you know, our distributors have helped position, position us in the market. They've created opportunities on our behalf, um, you know, across all segments. Uh, Veeam's really started down in SMB, and we've grown up in commercial and enterprise, and we couldn't have done that without our distributors. They have an engine that has helped us scale our business. And as the industry continues to change and we see, you know, a shift to uh, the shift in business to everything as a service or cloud consumption and, and subscription, they are making investments or have made investments to really stay ahead of those trends so that they can work with vendors like Veeam to enable partners to make that pivot to everything as a service or subscription, right? And so there's a lot of resources and tools um, and value-added services outside of the normal, I'm going to say, pick, pack, and ship right. that they do on our behalf. I mean, I think one of the conversations you and I had early on when you took the GTDC role was, hey, you know, you're a software vendor, yet, you know, you've basically put your entire go-to-market around the channel and around distribution. And the answer is yes. And it's worked out for us. We've grown over a billion dollars in revenue in less than 10 years. And, um, you know, kudos to Ratmir and, and Andre for really, you know, setting that foundation uh, for Veeam. And um, I'm not sure if you follow Ratmir, but you know, he's founded another company, and I think he's going to use the same strategy. So it does work, and there is value there and um, opportunity to scale the business leveraging distribution. Yeah, I yeah, totally. And I think that, um, you know, you talk to a lot of people who think about distribution, as you said, you know, pick back and ship, or I used to, I used to say, that, you know, a bank in a warehouse, right? <laughs> um, but the reality is, if you talk to solution providers today, and I and I do a lot, and I say even with the advent of you know marketplaces and platforms and hyperscalers and all the other stuff that's going on, how come you're still using distribution as much as you are? And the answer becomes very simple: is there's still a ton of work that needs to be done, whether it's a subscription model, a consumption model, or you know uh, sales through a marketplace. There's still a lot of work that needs to get done, and the 
typical solution provider doesn't want to do it. It's not their business, you yeah. know, and they don't want to hire people and, and you know, raise their SG&A costs. So I think it's significant. I also would, would tell you, though, we have to kind of look at this from the standpoint of, and I, I talk about it all the time, DISTI's continually evolving, but they do need to continue to evolve, right? In other words, and so what are some of the things, because, you know, you're part of, and I didn't mention this uh, on the beginning, I probably should have, you're part of our advisory council for GTDC, mm-hmm. and we rely on you uh, as one of the leaders in the vendor community to tell us, hey, here's what we're thinking about, and uh, obviously you have discussions with the distributors, but we also convey a lot of what you guys talk about. What, as you look at this evolving over the next, you know, four or five years, what do you need distribution to either continue to do well or begin to initiate things that maybe they're not doing, you know, as well? So I think, you know, what they can continue to do for us is really help us scale and leverage, you know, places in the market that we can't reach. That's yeah. a huge value add from a Veeam perspective because, again, we don't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees. We cannot cover the thousands of partners that are out there. Um, so we rely on distribution for, you know, their help and their scale, their ability to scale and to cover the market for us. Um, I think, you know, as the business moves more towards everything as a service and uh, cloud and consumption, I think, you know, the distributors have invested heavily on the in you know on their cloud marketplaces and i think we need to continue to figure out more synergies with that um you know as a, a cloud vendor we do leverage all of the marketplaces um with our distributors and i see tremendous value because they act they have the ability to access and and work with thousands of service providers that we're not touching today yeah. either right yeah. and um you know it, it's there's something to say when the AWS, the Googles, and the Azures are also leveraging distribution for their scale and reach in this space. And so I think that those are things that they just need to continue to drive. Um, and then as, you know, as, as for areas that they can work on, I, I definitely think there's opportunity in being more agile and helping vendors be more agile and efficient. Right. And I think that that comes up in the conversations that I have internally all the time. How do we, you know, improve our cus- the customer experience and how, how do we drive more efficiency uh, in our business? And I think that distributors will always play a critical role in that discussion. So they will need to continue to invest. And, you know, I think about Ingram Micro's um, Expandage platform that they're rolling out. Right. Those are the things that we want to make sure they're continuing to stay ahead of because that's a huge value add that we uh, leverage with our distributor is the ability to scale and to drive efficiency so that we can essentially offer and improve our customer experience. Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense because when you, know, when you think about it, it, it goes back to the, what, what they basically provide, which is operational excellence at scale. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, it, it really becomes operational excellence in your space versus, you know, what I was focused on, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago was I was worried about getting PCs to market and, you know, they were able to do that, yeah. but it's totally different now based on what you're doing. And so they have to build sort of different muscles and there is, there are major investments in that area. I mean, and they continue, um, the other thing that's, you know, that's interesting about this, and you mentioned a really interesting point, and I've had this discussion with people, um, 
because people view, you know, the hyperscaler scenario and the go-to-market piece as, as completely competitive. And it's kind of like, oh, wait a minute, step back for a minute. They're a vendor. Every vendor in the marketplace has a hybrid route to market. Includes direct, includes single tier to, to mm -hmm. solution providers, and it includes T tier, uh, two tier. And oh, by the way, the, the all the hyperscalers and two of them are represented on our advisory council with uh, Eric Buck with GCS and JJ at, uh, at yeah. HP, who you probably worked with at HP, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they'd be the first to tell you, we need distribution for the same reasons every other vendor needs distribution. We need reach into the marketplace. We need access to a whole group of smaller players that we would never get to. And we need help with, um, um, you know, just getting activities done at scale. Correct. And I think that's a misnomer and people are kind of forget that. Uh, you know, a lot. And so I have that conversation all the time with folks about it. You know? Well, I think when we first started, you know, um, together from a GTDC perspective, the, you know, the perception to your point was, oh, the hyperscalers don't need distribution. And, yeah. you know, we were really pushing the distributors like, no, there is going to be a need for you at some point. And I think it's great that they recognize we do need the channel. We do need distribution because yeah. I think of, you know, I'm a salesperson and I'm all about, you know, being smart with my time and the resources that I have to scale my business. And I think that that's what distribution provides, regardless of what business you're in, whether it's hardware, software, services, I mean, they will help you scale the business. Why? I mean, there's, you know, you kind of have to balance and figure out the opportunity costs, but in reality, I mean, I just think it's more cost effective model and it's much more efficient. And why not offload that to someone else to help you while you can focus on other areas of the business? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, but, you know, the channel chiefs um, are, are continually internally having to defend, you know, yes. the, the channel, first of all, and then secondly, in a lot of cases, distribution, right? Because people come in who might, who are really smart people, but don't necessarily understand the technology go-to-market, you know, process well, and they immediately look at how can I cut costs, how can I be more efficient, and and I I think the big issue, and we recently released a report uh, that was done by Channelnomics, uh, Larry Walsh's uh, organization, in February, that what we talked about was nobody will ever debate that there's cost associated with distribution. There's no debate. There has to be cost associated right. with it. If they're going to invest a billion dollars in a, a yes. marketplace, they got to make it somewhere, right? Yes. But um, what you have to be able to step back and think about, and this is where I think your executive team was brilliant in the beginning, was can I do that more efficiently or can I do that less costly? And the answer is no. And, and, you know, and the, the conversation needs to turn from how much does it cost to what would it cost me to replace it? <laughs> and then people start to realize I can't replace it, right? And, and at least not easily. Um, and I was part of back in the day, you know, at one point, you know, IBM, when we were being pressured by Dell, mm -hmm. uh, when Dell first came into play, um, we decided we were going to do some stuff, you know, direct. Right. and. That didn't last very long. It was, yeah. you know, um, and and then you start doing exactly what you said. You start looking at the economics of it, and you realize the model doesn't work. This Correct. can't work. Yeah. 
Well, that study that just recently got published um, is phenomenal. So I encourage any of you watching who haven't looked at the study to go out there and and, uh, take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, in fact, we just we just had a um, uh, a European uh, back call uh, Mm -hmm. just an hour ago, and Larry came on and presented it to all of the European back members, and uh, they were kind of blown away because. You know, my take on it is, having been in the seat, my take on it is there's something in there that you can use. It may not be the whole, the whole, you know, yep. 12 pages or whatever, but there's something in there that you can use with your discussion. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good. So kind of winding down, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, cybersecurity. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's top of mind for every organization. I mean, it. Everywhere I go, every event I attend, you know, if I meet 10 vendors, seven of them are in the cybersecurity space, right? <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I can't remember, you know, I just can't keep track of all of them. Um, but, you know, you guys have been involved in that space since, you know, day one. Yep. And, um, you know, so what do you see as, you know, some of the threats, you know, that are out there? What do you see as some of the trends that are happening? And what are you guys doing to, you know, help the channel partners in this space? Absolutely. So you are absolutely right. Cybersecurity is the one, er- the you know, the top area of concern for IT leaders. Um, and according to IDC, it's the one area of the budget that's not being compromised right now, right? And so we just released our data protection trend, and it was really eye-opening um, to see the, you know, the results or the impact of ransomware on our partners and customers. So 85% of companies um, have experienced a ransomware attack in the last year, wow. and uh, which is huge, right? And I would tell you to make matters worse, a third of those victims who actually paid the ransom still didn't get their data back. And the average downtime for those companies is about one to two weeks. And so imagine that being down for one to two weeks and not having access to your data. I mean, yeah. unreal, right? So luckily with Beam, um, you know, we we offer a customer a single solution to combat that cyber threat um, because we, you know, we are the last line of defense. And with our recent release of V12, we actually have introduced direct uh, to object storage backup, uh, which gives our customers, you know, the full um, availability of uh, trusted immutability, as well as the cost-effective scalability of um, that comes with object storage. And, you know, that's where I would tell you, you know, go research Ratmir. I think his next, com- you know, the company that he's just launched is an object storage company as well. So definitely a, a, a play there and a plug there as well. But Veeam has, you know, we recognize that um, th- this is a huge challenge, right? And so we've worked with our partners on a lot of tools and programs um, that they can leverage with their customers uh, to ensure that they are, ha- you know, that the customers have the best practice in play. Uh, we also are introduced our ransomware warranty, which is a multi-layer approach to ransomware that gives our partners and customers confidence um, that they are prepared, you know, in the worst case scenario. And so um, you can find all that information on our website, um, but we will continue to provide resources and tools 
for partners so that they can assess the environment that the customers are in to ensure that they have, you know, a, a plan in case something does happen. And that plan includes, you know, having Veeam as their uh, protection and their last line of defense. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge endeavor. It's happening. It's real. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So, um, you know, we want to work with with our entire um, community and our partners to ensure that their customers are not, you know, going through this um, horrible situation. Yeah, well, that's those numbers are unbelievable. Eighty-five percent is incredible. Mm -hmm. I no idea that it was that big. Uh, that's shocking to me. In one to two weeks, I mean, I can't go without email for a day. <laughs> right? An hour. So I'm like, what is wrong with my phone? Yeah. Why can't I access? Exactly. So I mean, that would drive me bananas. I mean, is you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, you guys are doing a great job, and um, and you need to continue it. And that's um, and and I'm confident you will. And I really uh, I really appreciate you know you getting on and spending some time with us because it's going to very valuable. People kind of get to know you a little better. Certainly know Veeam a little bit better, and kind of know what a lot of us in the industry know, which is you know you're a rock star, and uh, we appreciate you you kind of hanging out with us for a little while. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks for your time, um, and um, we're, I'm going to continue to rely on you to be, you know, part of our uh, advisory council, Absolutely. and um, you know, continue to work with you. But this was great. Any final thoughts? Any final comments? Just that you know, I've spent my entire career in the channel, and you know, specifically in distribution, and there is tremendous value. So um, you know, if anybody out there wants more details on my experience and, um, you know, what I've done with distribution, I'm happy to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to walk you through it. And lastly, if I would be remiss if I didn't thank our distributors uh, globally for their ongoing support and partnership. Uh, it's been a great journey with Veeam and, uh, you know, we continue to, I'm looking forward to continuing growing our business together with them. So truly appreciate the opportunity, Frank. Uh, I know I'll see you hopefully soon um, yeah. at another event, um, but appreciate all that you do for the community as well. Yeah, well, thanks and good, good, good talking to you. All right, thanks, Frank. Take care. Great. Thank you.